Welcome to Book Wandering with me, Anna James, the podcast where I talk to another writer about their most beloved children's or YA book. I'm the author of the children's fantasy series Pages and Co and an arts journalist. This episode, I'm chatting with Eliza Clark, whose debut novel Boy Parts was a book talk sensation and is about to open as a play at Soho Theatre. Her latest novel, Penance, is about a true crime in a fictional Yorkshire seaside town. Eliza and I have been internet pals for years now, but finally met in person at the Faber offices to chat about her pick, The Gnome Trilogy by Terry Pratchett, which consists of truckers, diggers and wings and was published between 1989 and 1990. We chat about the enduring appeal of very small people and very big food and fiction, teenage obsessions and writing about horrible things. You can find the books discussed today on my Case for Books page at bookshop.org, which supports the podcast and independent bookshops. If you use the code BOOKWANDERER, you'll get free shipping on the books featured on this series, including Pennants and Truckers. And finally, before we get into the episode, just to quickly note that while the podcast is largely suitable for children, this isn't geared at younger listeners. So welcome, Eliza. Thank you so much for coming and being a guest on Book Wandering. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So to start off, could you tell us what book books you chose and how you first encountered them? Yes. So I have chosen um, Terry Pratchett's Gnome Trilogy, but I think we're specifically talking about Truckers today, which is the first one. Um, So there's Truckers, Diggers and Wings. And this is about... um, gnomes (laughs) gnomes <laughs> so they're like you find out quite early on in the first one that they're actually they're like they're not indigenous to earth they're aliens that seem to have crashed on earth while they were sort of scouting out other planets and they have forgotten that they are aliens because they they live 10 times faster than humans and they've been running around outside trying not to get eaten but then there's also been a group of them that have set up a society under the floorboards of a department store um which is Arnold Bross established 1908 or whatever and um they've sort of formed an entire religion and society which is department store centric um and then the sort of sequels are about them sort of continuing their journey so they find out that the department store is going to be demolished and they have to leave um so the outside gnomes help the inside gnomes leave Arnold Bross um and then the sequels are sort of about them living life in a quarry but also trying to find out to return to the stars <laughs> um and i think i first encountered these probably would have been my dad that got them for me um i don't think my dad was like a huge terry pratchett reader but he did read t- some terry pratchett and i think these were bought for me um just because even even as a kid they're very much my kind of sort of sense of humor um, and that there's this kind of like slightly this sort of silly Monty Python sort of satirical kind of edge to them, um, which is just which is just very very charming. And um, yeah, I used to I used to reread them a lot when I was a kid. I think I for, I feel like it was Wings was the one that I used to reread all the time because there's an extended bit where they're on like a Concorde, and I didn't know what a Concorde was. <laughs> um, and I think uh, I was sort of really really fascinated by the idea of Concorde. <laughs> yeah. I feel like often when we are kids, we you do like hone in on these like. Yeah, uh, random things that you grow up and realize are extremely yeah normal things. Yeah, well, I feel like truckers was also like it's sort of it was two of my childhood preoccupations, which was being very small 
and being left alone in a department store overnight. Like I used to think loads about like being able to be, there's a big, um, there's a big mall in the Northeast of England called the, the Metro Center. And I used to spend a lot of time because I used to get take, my, my parents used to go to the Metro Center every Friday night. Um, and I used to just walk around, I think, um, it, it just hallucinating because I was so bored. Um, I was just like, imagine if I was in here alone at night, yeah. what would I do? <laughs> Also, now is a good point to, even though I don't sound it, uh, we grew up yeah. very close. To, we, uh, Eliza's much younger than me, but we grew up <laughs> close to each other and we actually went to the same We did, we went to the same school, high school. Yeah. Not at the same time. Uh, and I am glad to have someone that's not Adam from Love Island to claim as yes, also a, an alumni a of our high school. alumni. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it means Metro Center is a very, that's a very familiar, but mm. we, are you old enough to have been there when the metro when metro land was oh open. yes yes I can't, very... i'm not sure exactly when that closed. i think that shut that that definitely i was definitely still going there when i was like 13 like 12 or 13 i think so Metroland is a theme <laughs> an indoor theme park it was like the biggest in indoor theme park in europe I yeah think, but it wasn't big no when i Actually, it was in a mall. <laughs> so. it, but I was obsessed with it. I yeah, same. I was obsessed wrote with Metroland as well. a story when I was a kid about being in Metroland overnight. Oh my God. Yes, that, that feels very like a, like a childhood preoccupation yeah. of yeah. like, imagine being in Metroland alone. Oh, and then sometimes true. if you went to Metroland at like a weird time, you could be in there alone. I used to I used to beg to be abandoned at Metroland when my parents were shopping. Yes. And they were just always like, well, like, no. Because <laughs> you could pay... For like a ticket to go on everything but you could also I think it was like two pounds to like go on the roller coaster mm. and so you could just go and pay and go on the roller coaster I there was a bit that was like <laughs> it was like jungle themed and it was like rope nets and slides the Montezumas yeah yeah <laughs> and in my I rationally know that that can't have been that big but in my it's funny to talk about the small thing because like mm. in my brain it was in my child memory it was like huge yeah. like you could get Absolutely lost in massive. it yeah I feel like I can imagine gnomes in Metroland yeah um I do want to talk about the whole be- preoccupation with being small thing because <laughs> delightfully just before we recorded I saw on your Instagram <laughs> the question would you rather be a giant or a gnome or tiny or yeah. tiny well we were watching the the Boots Boots Riley's got a new uh, tv series called I'm a Virgo which is just it's about the the exploits of a giant man so it's like he's just he's just he's like a a 19 year old boy who is just simply 13 feet tall (laughs) and it's kind of like about it's like he's being kept sheltered from the world because his parents are afraid of what would happen if they unleashed their big big son out into the world um and then there's it's like the fifth episode we were watching this like literally like yesterday and and there's like an entire neighborhood that wakes up and they're tiny, which I did just think it, it poses the very interesting philosophical question. Would you rather be 13 feet tall or teeny tiny? I feel like <laughs> I already know what you yeah. want, but could you talk, talk us through that thought process? I think, so I think, I think being a giant is probably going to be more practical and that you're less vulnerable <laughs> to predators. <laughs> it's less dangerous and it's less like, it's just less sort of, I feel like it would just be less scary to be giant, but to be tiny would mean that you would get to eat lots of normal, you get to eat normal sized food and the normal sized food would be giant because you would be tiny. <laughs> I love that. It's like a key part of the appeal for you. Yeah, it really is. I think again in um, 
somewhere in in the in the Bromeliad, which is the other name yeah. for the uh, for the Gnome trilogy, there's a bit where they eat like a big side of salmon. Yeah. I think that might be on Wings as well, actually. And I honestly, I I love salmon, and I, and I really like. And it was like I just started eating it when I was a kid, and this this bit of these tiny people eating this huge side of salmon is just really staying with me. <laughs> well, one of my favorite favorite book bits of the first book is where they first go to the department store mm. and they go through the food hall that they've built. Yes, and they're just seeing the human food and. The inside is like horrified by the idea of them eating food from the ground because mm. it's not natural. Which yeah. it's just full of delightful details. Were you a Terry gal? Like more generally, did you go on to read Discworld? Yes, I believe I went on to read The Wee Free Man, which is another book about small people. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> it's a Terry Pratchett like it obsession is. too. Yeah, because it was his, his first novel, The Carpet People, was yeah. also about tiny oh, people. Yes. That's three separate series yeah. done about tiny people. Three separate tiny people books. Um, and I read those, but I think I I think it was I was sort of like, um, I think because I was like I was good at reading and I was a very fluid reader when I was a kid. I was often bought books which were like way too complicated for me. And I think I started I tried to read The Wee Free Men when I was like eight, and it was too hard. Um, but I think when I I went back to them when I was a bit older and I enjoyed them um more. Um, and then I actually uh while I was having a bit of a nervous breakdown about writing my second novel um it was like I just finished the draft and the game Elden Ring had just come out so I just spent like I think it was like two weeks where all I did was listen to Discworld books on audio and play Elden Ring and it was like it was beautiful it was really really good (laughs) I had a lovely time felt really relaxed once I'd done Um, and then I also probably, so I've, I've kind of come back to Discworld more as an adult and I've been kind of chipping away at those gradually over the last couple of years. Um, it was the City Watch books that I sort of binge read while I, after handing in penance. And then um, uh, when I was a teenager, the big one that I was really into was Good Omens. Yeah. Yeah, which is obviously like way before they sort of had the Amazon series and stuff. And I was so, so into that. And, and never really into Neil Gaiman, which is funny. I... I have enjoyed some of Neil Gaiman's books mm. more than others. But Terry Pratchett's also someone that I, like some of the Discworld books I really love. Mm. Some of them are less good than I remember them. And some of them have yeah. like extended, I'm kind of, I'm here from for him like having that space to do those like extended fights of fancy. But sometimes when you go back to them, like some of them do have these just extended chunks of oddity in them. Yeah, I think, um, I think he's got like a really, really charming approach to like, a very charmingly sort of privileged approach to marginalization as well, where I think he has this sort of like very like this very humane, very empathetic, almost like why can't we all just get along kind yeah. of response to it, which I think to to cut on like a human sort of empathetic level is just kind of very, very nice to, yeah. um, but on a political level, it's maybe a little bit, can, could I could see that being a challenge for some people. And it's perhaps actually why the Gnome Trilogy works so nicely as well, because I find the way that he does that for his children's books kind mm. of lands. Yes, it, it lands perhaps, a lot better. Yeah, because yeah. it's maybe more of an introduction to thinking about those ideas of societal responsibility. Yes. Um, Though he is right, or, or rather the gnomes are right in that when I do read, my brain does get overheated. <laughs> and I do struggle to think as a woman. Um, it is it is hard for me to to read without my brain getting too hot. And <laughs> I feel like we need to, the context, <laughs> when they're, when only at the beginning of the series, only a handful of the gnomes can read. Only the um, I don't know stationary, stationary. Yes. So the the 
insiders have kind of organized themselves around the departments that they live in and given themselves names after that. So, and so only a small group is allowed to read and only the men because they believe that yes, the, the, the lady gnomes brains. The stationary is like their, their sort of clergy. Yes. Um, and it's only the sort of priesthood that read and then they teach the other gnomes to read as they realize that they need to leave the department store and do stuff like learn to drive and <laughs> um oh they're just so fun aren't they <laughs> they are a good time i think i hadn't read these ones before and i mm. think they're probably my favorite terry pratchett's that i've read i feel like mm. everything i like about discord is in them and the things that don't aren't my favorite about discord either sit nicely in this world and tone or aren't there yeah I think that's this really like fun sort of skewering of kind of Britishness yes um in there which I think works really well I mean I kind of I think I think I'm more overall positive on Discworld it sounds like than than you are but I think it's because I quite enjoy just like like an extended bit about taxes <laughs> um which there's a lot of like weird kind of offhanded jokes about like HMRC and stuff in yeah. um, in uh in in Discworld and stuff it's kind of the kind of thing where you you when you read them as an adult you think why on earth was I bought this as a child right. this is like so many like weird like grown-up jokes about yes. like <laughs> just like bureaucracy but I think I think is like sort of preoccupation with like petty bureaucracy and like just kind of like this petty sort of spitefulness that I think is very prevalent in British culture in some For ways sure. <laughs> is, is like really fun like you're talking about the bit with the food hall when they first go in and it's like the, the outside gnomes are presented with a banana and they're like yeah we've seen bananas before the ones we've got outside are even bigger actually and they've yeah. got no idea what they're looking at <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so normally when people tell me which book they've picked, whether they write for children or adults now, it there is um, quite an obvious and direct. <laughs> you can see you can see the the book that they loved as a child quite explicitly in the books that they write now, even when they write for adults or mm. in different genres. I would say probably yours is the the most where it's not necessarily like. Uh, this person loves Terry Pratchett, but I did enjoy that you have still slipped some Terry Pratchett references. Yeah, Independence, in. which I kind of forgot about, but I think it was because I was sort of chipping away at Discworld while I was yeah. um, writing it. So it was probably just on my mind a bit, but I think I mentioned the Gnome Trilogy specifically in Penner. Yeah, because Violet reads Violet reads Terry, Terry Pratchett, Pratchett and Dolly is obsessed with, with being, no, small being small and, being, and, and reading those books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe people who don't write not like oh, people who don't write don't realize but I feel like I more than perhaps people might think just enjoy including references to things I like not mm. with any deep craft meaning behind it just because it's like fun for my own entertainment to put yes. these little references in definitely yeah I think like I feel like if for some things I sort of I'm quite careful with the pop culture stuff in that it's sort of quite like deliberate and kind of used in like a this is being specifically used for like this character so it's like a bunch of more so in boy parts actually there's like a bunch of the music that Irina listens to is like music I would not touch with a 10-foot barge pole because it's actively unpleasant but like that's the joke is that all she listens to is music that's just like because <laughs> it's I feel like just representative of her, of her. Of her is somebody who just wants to listen to like a photocopier yeah. for like 40 minutes um um 
and some of the sort of films that she watches it's, it's like all stuff that I'm like interested in but I would never like nobody needs to like sit through all of necromantic those films are actually boring despite the kind of like a lot a lot of extreme cinema is actually really boring in a lot of ways um yeah I think also I do just like to drop in a like a sort of I quite like like a very like underhanded sort of subtle reference like I think there's a there's like there's a very veiled a slightly veiled drag race reference in boy parts where it's like Irina says the phrase they eat me up every single time which is a reference to the season nine untucked episode three of drag race where one of the contestants goes on a rant at the other one where she's like you're perfect you're beautiful you look like linda evangelista you're a model she could walk out there in a diaper and they'd eat her up every single time and i (laughs) and i I like that (laughs) i love that that's real niche (laughs) even like thinking about like dolly it's not just do you know what ash before we get into this i should ask you to give us a bit of an introduction to penance because it is freshly out so for people who haven't had a chance to read it could you perhaps just tell us a bit about it before we dive into dolly and her psyche yes so it's a, it's a, like a it's a it's a fictional book but it is presented as non-fiction so it's like presented as a non-fiction true crime book by a fictional narrator um sort of breaking down a crime that happened in a beach town in um north yorkshire um, and it's sort of very kind of inspired by Scarborough and a bunch of local news stuff in Scarborough. And there's a lot, there's like a lot of local history and um, kind of how that feeds into the sort of, I, I guess, how that fed into the crime and how it's kind of all related, um, sort of aping on the true crime stuff that I like the most, which often has a lot of sort of socio political history in it, which feeds very well into. Or rather, like, kind of helps build a picture of of the, the the incident that happened. I think, like, good examples of stuff like this is like um, uh, the Sleep of Reason, which is about the Jamie Bulger murder, and um, the People Who Eat Darkness by Richard Lloyd Parry, which is about um, uh, a, a British woman called Lucy Blackman who went missing while working as a hostess in Tokyo. So it's like this incredible like history of like nightlife in Tokyo and Tokyo's Roppongi district and then like like Korean immigrants in Japan and stuff there's loads of loads of really interesting stuff in there um and I sort of wanted to sort of ape that and then but but while also sort of telling this kind of crime story um about (laughs) uh three teenage girls who set another teenage girl on fire which I suppose is the um the headline note there (laughs) I kind of rambled a little bit I mean, yeah, that's the, and, and that, you know that that's, ha- when you're reading the book, obviously you know that the reader knows that that's happened almost straight away. Um, so going back to Dolly, mm-hmm. so there's, so we've got the kind of, the, the characters we re- you really like delve into is the three girls who committed the crime, but you also kind of build up the picture of the girl who's set on fire as well. And Dolly is one of the girls who commits the crime. Uh, and it's mentioned that, yeah, she's really into Polly Pockets. And like small things. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess just generally like how I'm interested in how you kind of went up about like building the characters of all, I guess the four girls mm. and their kind of cultural references and obsessions and just how they 
came to be? Did one come first? Did they all kind of grow up around each other in response to what you kind of needed in the story? It was actually, it was almost quite chronological of the way that that's sort of presented in the books and that I definitely, I came to Dolly like last um, and I was sort of not quite sure who I was like dealing with with her for writing most of it. And I actually think that was kind of to my benefit a little bit. And that I think if I decided a lot of stuff about her while I had done the first sort of three quarters, then she might not feel as quite as like sort of weird and mercurial as she does in the early parts of the book. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like, I think I, I started with Angelica, who in some ways is like the most straightforward character in that she's I feel like she's sort of got the clearest motive and she's got the sort of clearest backstory and is also just kind of the worst but also the most kind of like open about that um right so that was she was probably the character that well she was the character that I came to first and had like written I have the most material for Angelica as well because originally that was like an original or like a much much older half draft of penance where it was all written in like first person point oh, of view okay. um and it was it was unreadable <laughs> um like 10,000 words of the the angelica voice which Oof, yeah yeah was like cuz she's deliberately really grating um and it was really grating and i just i just ended up binning like i think it was like something like 15,000 words of text um which I like pulled back and I did use some of that as like extracts from like correspondence and like stuff like that. But um, yeah, and then it was kind of, I had like quite, I had a very clear idea of Angelica and then I had quite a clear idea of Violet. And then originally there's a, there's a character called Jade who gets covered, who is sort of caught up in the crime, but not actually involved or rather she's, she's sort of involved with the girls, but not caught up in the crime, if that makes sense and gets kind of falsely accused of being involved. She was originally involved in the crime oh. in like my first draft, but she kept kind of coming through as this like clear voice of reason. And then it just, it sort of made less sense for her to be involved. And it worked to have her there as like a point of like conflict and to disagree and to kind of basically be like, like, no, this is like weird and not getting caught up with it. Um, so I kind of came to her next. And then some of the, she was sort of the most clearly built into the town backstory though. So I kind of had a better sense of her. Um, and then, yeah, I really came to Dolly last because I just wasn't quite, I really wasn't quite sure how exactly I was going to deal with her. I just knew that she was going to be probably like the most unwell yeah. and like the most sort of liable to get kind of pulled along and pulled into things. And I suppose the, the Polly Pocket stuff and the kind of fixation on small things, I suppose was like kind of like a, like a manifestation of this sort of idea of like, like the containment of things and like wanting to be able to contain and control things um which i suppose is almost a bit of a like a sort of twisting and kind of perversion of that common sort of childhood interest of just kind of like the idea of what if i was tiny and i could run around and do stuff <laughs> what if i could eat big food yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> i did it's like that childhood thing but taken with dolly to just a really a really extreme place yeah and one thing I really loved about it was I feel like that kind of just when you're a, a teen a teen girl or teenager generally and the things that you just get obsessed with because all of mm -hmm. them have their things that they're obsessed with whether it's Polly Pockets or you know the occult or, <laughs> and everything in between um mm -hmm. yeah I just like 
I guess it's such an annoying question being like, did you not, did you do that on purpose? But like, just that kind of building that like teen girl obsession thing, was that always like a really core kind of part of it? Or was the true crime, like I'm interested I guess in the order that kind of the big themes kind of came into the book. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like that kind of came along gradually of sort of like, I think it was, I, I always had Violet as like an obsessive and who was going to have like a bunch of sort of specialized interests. And then I think the the sort of stuff with Angelica came along a bit later because they just, they, she just sort of needed, there needed to be a reason that people would pick on her. Um, and I thought like that, just somebody being really, really enthusiastic about something is like, just because teenagers are horrible. It's just like a really easy and way to really like. into musicals. Yeah. Like cats cringe. specifically. Cringe musicals. Yeah, cats, <laughs> like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm. But it's such a, there's such a good detail that I'd like, the, the most embarrassing thing like imagine being someone who spends their like private time defending Andrew Lloyd Webber on Tumblr know, and then your peer group finds out about it. Like it really, like, it, yeah. oh, I have never defended Andrew Lloyd Webber in public or private, but just, <laughs> even just reading that made me feel like, yeah, viscerally stressed out. Yeah, because I think it's like the idea of being caught being like really enthusiastic about something is just mortifying, especially <laughs> by like a peer group that you're probably intentionally like controlling and hiding a lot of your personality from. And I think, yeah, it was just sort of giving her something that was like actively embarrassing and obsessed with musicals. Just, it just makes sense. Yeah. And then by, by the time I kind of got to Dolly, it was sort of like obsession was like a clear yeah. kind of theme. I think you see like sort of, because I, I also think it's just like when you're a teenager, it's when you're deciding what you're interested in, For isn't sure. it? And you're deciding what, what your personality actually is. And I think that kind of sort of um, thinking. It's sort of almost everything's like a bit of an affectation when right. you're that age. And I think just sort of picking the affectation that you actually like is like a, a, a sort of a big, I don't know, a big part of kind of growing up there, sort of deciding what your personality is. So you kind of have like sort of Jade having like much more normal interests in it or, or like she's interested in things in like a much more normal and less intense degree where she's just kind of like quite into like sports and stuff. Um, and so... Yeah, so, it, and then by the time I got to Dolly, it was kind of like, again, thinking about like, by then as well, the sort of more of the kind of critical, true crimey elements had gotten. I, I wrote the, the Dolly chapter like very late on in the process of of writing Penance. I, I sort of started writing it in like early 2019. Right. Sorry, late 2019. Um, And then, which was when a lot of the sort of early Joni stuff was done and stuff with her mom. Um, and then I kind of went away from it for a while because of the pandemic, <laughs> um, which I, I know a lot of people had trouble working during, but because my entire writing process basically revolved around leaving my flat and going to a cafe to right. work, it was just like completely gone. So I had to spend, I feel like I spent, I felt like I spent basically like two years learning to write in the house, right. um, which I guess is like a useful skill I have now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, it was like a real kind of, struggle and I kind of stopped writing it for ages and then boy parts came out in the summer of 2020 as well and then I kind of went back to penance and like because boy parts was almost like a reminder that I had to write another book yeah. <laughs> um I went back to it in probably like probably like summer of 2020 which was when I did a lot of that first person stuff and then scrapped it and then in 2021 I um left the publisher I was with and it was going out to other publishers so I had like a real kind of kick to like properly firm up the first third at least so it could go out properly 
So I kind of did that. I knew what I was doing with the structure then and then didn't touch it for ages and then went back to it in sort of, it was like kind of autumn of 2021. And then early 2022 was when the bulk of the like technical, actual physical writing was done for it. Whereas the previous sort of two years had just been a lot of like thinking and deciding and I'm really bad at making notes I discovered um and like because there was a lot of world building for this that was just like in my head and not written down which was uh bad it was a bad idea yeah I am the same (laughs) and I write fantasy as well and I am constantly causing huge problems for (laughs) myself by not keeping any useful notes of really anything. Uh, I've started I've started writing notes now, which I think has been useful. I, I also write on Scrivener, which I think has uh, been really handy. You know, I keep, people keep telling me, but it's so intimidating yeah. Yeah, to start you with. Do, you do have to kind of learn how to use, well, in some ways you have to learn how to use it. I think like just the sort of being able to kind of have separate tabs and being able to like move chapters around right. is so useful. But I think it's making peace with like, I don't need to be able to, because it just does so many different things. It's mm. like, I don't need to understand how every single yes, thing fits exactly. where I can just start using I just, it. I just use it basically as like a word processor with right. like a filing system yeah, effectively. Yeah, I need to get onto that. Um, but yeah, it's so, so handy. You know, I feel like for me, I was mocking not mocking but saying you know I've never defended Android River but I had just a visceral memory of um I was a I was a real Lord of the Rings girl mm. and I can't believe I'm going to commit this to the internet but <laughs> me and my best friend I won't put his name on the internet uh for this purpose but we were active members of a Lord of the Rings message board which did have like a LARPy role play mm pretending to be elves and wizards element and we lived in absolute fear (laughs) that people would find out about it yeah I'm not surprised yeah no that it's really like it's sincerely embarrassing and I feel like this is like I I, I'm publicly like I will say like you know I I love Lord of the Rings and I well I loved it a lot as a teenager but um, that, you know, that's the truth, you know, to be fair to Angelica, you know, can I really ding her for defending Angeloid Webber when I was pretending to be an elf on the internet? <sighs> uh, I mean, I was really, I was really in, uh, um, in the, the series, which shall not be named now, um, which, which I was on like a fan forum for that, but I was specifically, I was on like a specific like slash fiction for just one ship fan oh. forum, which is so, so niche. And can like, you, will you can you share or is it too niche can it, you add <laughs> is it <laughs> i know i just i was about to say it and then i just had this flash of like utter mortification so i'm not going to okay um <laughs> please tell me after we've stopped recording i will um but yeah like i met like a really close friend we're like still friends yeah. now um from from that um harry potter slash fiction forum which is so humiliating but (laughs) there is something though about the friends that you meet through really loving something because you just kind of have that we have been our most embarrassing selves together Mm. and it does breed a really nice it does it's like relaxing yeah something to a friendship there's nothing that you could possibly do that's more embarrassing than the way that you met right right we often just tell people that we met on the internet rather than getting into the specifics safest bet (laughs) i as I get older, have become more defiant about loving things, I think, mm. as I get older. But just, you know, like I do think when I was 
younger I was a lot more embarrassed about the things that I love and yeah. whereas now I feel a lot more um just happy to like at the moment you've probably <laughs> you follow me on the internet you've probably mm-hmm. noticed I'm really into the Punch Drunks current show and mm. I go a lot and you know I've decided like life's too short to pretend that I don't think it's really good and I like talking and thinking about it yeah no I completely agree it's just like I feel like you just you just kind of need to grow out of being like <sighs> It being like uncool to be un- enthusiastic about stuff. I think like I went from like obviously a high school to then I went, I did a fine art undergrad in London, which is like where it's like, oh, it's like you can't be enthusiastic about anything. You have to be like cynical and sneery, which I'm sure is like a big sort of experience for a lot of people on undergrad. But it's like, so you can't even like, th- there would be like artists that you love that you would be like, well, it's, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a lot of problems with it, but I suppose I was influenced by it, that kind of thing. We're just kind of like, Oh, I don't know. It, it, it's like it's it's definitely like an it sort of knee jerk immaturity thing. Like you're gonna you're gonna show people too much of your uh, of your of your soul, um, and they're gonna. I mean, like I I think like there's sort of a little bit of an element with that with like Terry Pratchett stuff, where because in some ways it is like it's like so geeky and like cuddly and wholesome that it feels a little bit like uh, I think especially. I guess maybe from someone like me where you might not necessarily expect that to be, um, which is, I almost feel like I need to have like a disclaimer of like in in person, even though my writing seems to be preoccupied with like nasty, violent stuff. In person, (laughs) I'm actually quite cuddly and silly. Um, (laughs) My sense of humor is quite like just silly. Um, And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it it can feel quite like, ooh, being like, oh, I'm really into this. I actually really just like gnomes. I actually really like this book series about gnomes that I return to as an adult because I like the gnomes. (laughs) I just really like the idea of being really small and eating giant food. Isn't that, is that not, (laughs) is that not okay? Am I not human? (laughs) I have to ask actually, (laughs) are you into other, like, were you a fan of the borrowers? uh, The kind of more... I did. I did. Old-fashioned like, small people. I remember liking the borrowers, and I remember liking Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But I really liked this. I think. I think it's because it's, no. it's. I think it's because it's funny yeah. and like silly, and it sort of takes that to like a like a comedic place more so than uh, where where there's quite a lot of peril. Mm-hmm. And I think I didn't like the peril of being small. I think I like the the sort of the the kind of like weird quirkiness of it a lot. Um, I was also I was into like a couple of other kind of like quirky like silly fantasy series for kids so there was like there was this I think that I think they've ended up being quite obscure but I feel like they were popular when I was a kid which is this I think I would guess middle grade fantasy series called Tales of the Dark Forest which is by two guys called Steve and they called themselves the two Steves oh oh that's ringing a bell but from when I was a school librarian not yeah which is probably yeah um but I can't yes no the two Steves thing is ringing a bell yeah Yeah. and they were called like it there was like the first one was called like that was like nightmare wizard and they were all puns so wizard was like w-h-i-z-z and it it, and he was like a wizard's assistant that makes a potion that makes him go real fast Um, and there was the that's very Pratchetty. Yeah, it is. They were very Pratchetty. Um, I think the third book in the series was it was one about like a troll who like he doesn't want to be a troll, so he comes out from the troll kingdom to be sort of nice and friendly to people. <laughs> I can't remember what that was called, but it was very like I think that one had a bit of a bump because it was quite like Shrek adjacent. <laughs> um, but I think it might have predated Shrek. I'm not right. sure. Um, well, that was the one I read first, and then. 
remember there was a guy who in the in this sort of fantasy city who had he had a pasta shop and he was called Luigi the Pastafarian. And I just I love like I love like a crap pun. I love like bad puns and um silly things I, I do love like you say I do love that that is perhaps not what people I know would expect I was actually nervous to read boy parts because of the way people talk about it yeah I think people over it a bit I sometimes. mean like it's 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 disturbing but I think I put on the internet it's disturbing but in a fun way like yeah. um <laughs> but because I bought it when it first came out from just following you and uh but then the way people talked about it I was like genuinely like I think this might because I don't have a very high tolerance for like horror mm. I don't well, I don't watch I don't watch horror films um but uh penance I would say is probably more just dis- I found penance more distressing yeah. <laughs> that's that's my feeling about it I think because like I think because a lot of the stuff in, in, I, I feel like Boy Parts is more of like a dark comedy than anything else and it almost feels like fable like at times yeah. as well like almost like a dark a really mm. again not to do, we won't do spoilers but when there's like you know the kind of there's reveals and tree trunks and things mm. it almost felt like a yeah like a horror fairy story at times yeah that's interesting yeah. um yeah I can, I can totally see that as well and I think because it's so like on the nose and there are some stuff in there that is quite like over the top but to the point of like silly like I think some of the stuff that people find the most gross in boy parts is stuff that is in there because I think it's funny <laughs> rather than like because out of any kind of intent to shock I think this is the thing as well is that when you've got like because I do watch a lot of horror films I've just got like a really high tolerance for it so right. like I thought the boy parts was like quite like like mid-tier on on like in terms of how sort of scary or disturbing it is so I think like I think I, I've like referred to it as like baby's first transgressive novel which I think it is a little <laughs> bit to be honest like if I feel like a lot of people who really really connect with boy parts are like in their late teens or early 20s where it might be the first super trans oh not first super transgressive but the first like transgressive right. period thing that they've read um There'll be someone doing a podcast in 20 years and then yeah. be picking boy parts as the book they read when they're <laughs> 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 whereas penance is much more kind of rooted in um it almost it feels like stuff that's really maybe happening mm. in a and it, and it feels you know talking about like teenage obsessions and obviously they take it to this extreme place but I think that often like the kind of roots of where they're coming from a lot of us have kind of you know we've experienced those intense female Mm. friendships those like obsessions with things (laughs) getting way too into something on a tumblr or message board yeah I mean for me like one of the most one of the most upsetting films that I've ever seen is is eighth grade and there's this oh the Hayley Steinfeld one um it is it's Bo Burnham and it's starring Elsie Fisher um and it is it's it's just like it's just about it's like a coming of age thing about a girl who is going out of eighth grade in the ninth grade um so which is high school um in the states or if you're in the three-tier system here which I was the last year of so oh R.I.P. the three-tier system middle school was a beautiful oasis of childhood yeah (laughs) the good old northeast clinging on to the three-tier system for some reason for like a decade longer than everywhere else I'm a fierce defender of it because middle school is such a delight you just get to be a kid yeah for longer and it's also just like I think that's a really like a really powerful cringe containment field is middle (laughs) school as well because I think it's some in in some ways that is when you are worst yeah Um, no you're right actually yeah 
Yeah, I think it's just oh, I would have I would have hate to have gone to high school when I was eleven. I think I would have gotten eaten alive. There. Although I didn't have Christian when I was at middle school, the internet I didn't have the internet yet. Oh, I so wish that was that me. probably helped <laughs> limit the cringe quite well, substantially. I think I probably I probably will have. When I was in middle school, we probably will have still had like AOL and it will have mostly just been like Neopets and stuff that I was using. <laughs> so we didn't have like social media properly. That was very much a high school development for me. Um, I'm grateful every single day that social media, I yeah. didn't have social media at high school. Same. Uh, well, I did, unfortunately, and it was and it sucked. So yes. You shouldn't have had it. But also I think because a lot of people didn't really know what to do with it. People weren't right. good at like bullying on it. Yeah. So it was sort of, it was a bit more contained and you could get away with doing stuff in secret a bit more, I think. Mm. We did talk, touch on the sort of community thing because actually one thing I did want to ask you about and you know what, it's perhaps a stretch being like, oh, the gnomes have to live in a little society mm-hmm. and penance is set in a very distinct society and that those things don't necessarily have anything to do with it. But it was quite fun actually reading it in the context of that because um, I mean, the gnome trilogy is so wholesome, but a lot mm. of the fun is the way they set up the yeah. but then grow and see oh what i did think was i would love so much um you should write like a gnome book gone like via eliza clark oh. like a gnome society like where a, like yeah. a true crime gnome <laughs> book <laughs> yeah, where, like something be... goes horribly wrong and dark i would love to do like a silly fantasy thing they should let me do a silly fantasy thing but i feel like i, I would not be allowed to do a silly fantasy well maybe i would have you ever read any diana Wynne jones I haven't. I've seen Howl's Moving Castle, but I haven't. I haven't read it. I'm, I'm sure I would like it. I think you would really like The Dark Lord of Dirk Home, which mm. is kind of like a, a satire of a fantasy. So it's set in a mm. fantasy world where tourist groups from our world go because they want to have like a Lord of the Rings moment. It's not <laughs> explicitly really Lord of the Rings, and it's about basically how it like ravaged. Like it's so annoying, and like one family gets picked as like to be the Dark Lord, and they have to turn their house into like a castle because the tourists and they get a schedule of when the tourists are come and they have to do like oh, a pretend so fight that, that is exactly my jam yeah it's actually the more you talk I'm like you and it's it's very funny but it's also got some real it's quite pra- it's quite practically but I mm. feel like that might be your jam no, I would really like that I like like I don't know like that kind of like silly sort of spin on fantasy stuff there's this um there's this Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast that I'm obsessed with which is <laughs> Dimension 20s fantasy high series where it's like an American high school but like there's an orc so they're all like Great. it's like there's they're like an elf wizard and like an orc and the orc whose name is Gorgog um Gorgog's parents are gnomes and they like sing him songs to like help him calm down and it's just like it's it's like adorable and I love it and um I've like I've like paid money to watch the second series from their um from their like paywalled website um but yeah if you if you like silly fantasy I would recommend fantasy high <laughs> and actually smashing together Dungeons and Dragons and Drag Race have you mm. been watching that Dungeons and Dragons that's, videos that's with the mentioned 20 oh it's the same people yeah I didn't even realize it was that because I've been introduced to it by tiny clips on TikTok yeah. and I keep meaning to go and find the full shebang yeah i need to sit down and watch it properly um but i'm i'm very aware of it i'm sort of saving it i, I probably could have done with it like last week as a sort of break glass for emergency publication calm down <laughs> but the equivalent of the elden ring this yeah world. i think my but i i I went back to my favorite seasons of Drag Race. That was my actual like relaxation was like just playing like um, calming strategy games and watching season, All-Stars season two. Um, Uh, I think I went back to All-Stars three as well, which is more just because I haven't seen it in a while rather than it because it's a favorite season nine, season five, Mm -hmm. all of of the top tiers. (laughs) 
Um, link to the whole small things obsessions. Actually, one thing and cringe things. Mm. How do you feel about miniatures as a concept? How do you feel about like model oh, villages? I I've like I I always really want to like make them. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to get into like there was this period when I was in art school where I really wanted to get into like doll making. Because I just find it so like, it looks like it would be such a fun process. I was doing these like really cursed soft sculptures, <laughs> which were like, they were like tights that I was like stuffing with cotton or newspaper to look like these like horrible babies that oh, I would f- like, <laughs> I think I strung one up from the ceiling. They were like horrible. Horrible babies is a great name yeah. for a novel. It is. <laughs> I know, coming fresh from an indie press near you is yeah. horrible babies. <laughs> Miniatures was my lockdown thing. I... Mm got into making um this is another way I'm admitting to so many embarrassing hobbies um not that the Lord of the Rings forum is an active hobby um but I bought the do you ever see do you ever get those Instagram ads for the, like kits for the it kits, yeah. yeah and I over lockdown was like I can buy one and I've got really I've got really I find it so soothing to my brain because you have to mm. concentrate enough that there's not space in your brain to be worrying writing thinking but it's not actually intellectually challenging at all. It's con- yeah. like focus and concentration. Yeah. Would recommend mm. making a greenhouse at the moment. Oh, yeah, I've done a kitchen well, and nice. a bookshop. I, would, I should get into miniatures. I think I always like. I always almost have like a bit of a reflexive like. I think because of because of the because of the art stuff that I always feel like I should be making one from scratch. Yeah. Like I should make my own one, but then I would just end up with like something like a cursed and fucked baby that I'm hanging <laughs> from the ceiling would probably be what it would end up like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm always painting a picture of myself as somebody who intends to do something quite like nice, and then I'm like, "Look, it's lovely," and it's like a baby, horrible baby, baby <laughs> horrible baby hanging from the ceiling. And it's yeah. like, oh, that's actually really disturbing. And I'm like, "No, it's funny. It's, yeah, it's funny. It's cute." <laughs> uh, what I think, well, I think that's a great note to end it on. Although I do want to ask you actually to finish. Um, I do want to ask you if you were a gnome, what would your like dream giant food, human sized food? Like be if you were tiny, what would big be like? Big old cider salmon. Big old oh, <laughs> which I think is so of course, which I think is quite cursed. But like, you know, you could say sweet. I don't have much of a sweet tooth, so big big old cider salmon. I think would just be really satisfying to bite into if you are tiny. <laughs> Amazing. That is my favorite end to a podcast episode thus far. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Book Wandering. A reminder that you can buy pennants and truckers with free shipping via bookshop.org using the code bookwanderer and support indie bookshops. My page, Case for Books, is linked below. If you enjoyed this episode, then spreading the word would be hugely appreciated, whether that's sharing it online, telling your friends or leaving a review. You can find me at Case for Books across social media, or you can email me at annajamesauthor at gmail.com. The podcast is produced by Adam Collier with artwork by Hester Kitchen. And next week, I'll be chatting to Jeffrey Boache about holes. So do come back next Sunday and listen. And until then, happy book wandering. Happy book wandering.